0: Good evening, everyone. Tonight, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about um, three stages of growth. And uh, what I intend to do is to talk about um, our worldly growth, you know, just going from babies to young adults to to an older age, and comparing that with with spiritual growth. You know, when we first become a Christian and as we um, walk along and, and grow in Christ, and then in our older years, when we sort of reflect back, once we've learned. A lot and and, uh, look back and and apply what we've learned through God's Word to our lives as we're living. Um, Not all of us go through these same stages, uh, but they're fairly common. Um, And these stages do not reflect all spiritual stages that we go through, but I think there's aspects of each stage that we will be able to identify with. The three stages that I'll look at are uh, innocence, defiance, and compliance. So let's start with innocence, being born again. And when we're born into this world, we are innocent. We rely on our parents 100% for our needs because we are incapable of doing things for ourselves. Uh, we're helpless in our parents' arms. You know, we, we, we can't speak. We can't go get things for ourselves. And so we have to rely on our parents to give us the things that we need. Um, and this should also be the spiritual state that we're in when we choose to come to God. Looking for a salvation. Listen to what Jesus tells Nicodemus. And uh, that's found in John chapter 3. We'll look at verses 1 through 8. John chapter 3 verses 1 through 8. The Bible reads, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it. But do not know where it comes from and where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the spirit. That's interesting, uh, just uh, looking at Nicodemus, that he was a ruler of the Jews, and he, but he believed in Jesus. He came to Jesus by night, though, so he snuck around to to see Jesus. And it's interesting because when he, when he uh, addresses him, he says, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God. But I believe that this was a personal statement of Nicodemus, that he believed it, um, not necessarily those who, um, who he usually was with. But uh, Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. And I believe that being a Christian or becoming a Christian is being born again. You're giving yourself over to a new life. Things won't be the same in your life. You'll have to learn to value things differently, to prioritize things differently, and to act in a different way. We have to be willing to uh, reformat our lives and learn life all over again through Jesus Christ. And, you know, those of us who are uh, techies uh, know what reformatting a disk is. Usually when you go to reformat a disk, it warns you. It says, you know, um, you're going to lose everything you know, and make sure that you want to do this. And that warning is appropriate. It's really an appropriate warning for anyone who's going to turn their life over to Jesus. Um, You know, you're going to need to wipe clean the slate and learn things over again through Jesus Christ. What we really do is we let our old person die and live a brand new life through Jesus. It's what baptism is a symbol of. We follow the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we commit to no longer living by the worldly standards. That version of us dies. And we're raised up. There's a new version of us that lives from then on. Romans chapter 6 verses 4 and 5 read, Therefore we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. So baptism is a reflection of that death and resurrection, um, the death that Jesus suffered, the sacrifice that he gave for us and his his resurrection, his conquering of death through his resurrection. And when we go into the water, we're leaving that old person behind and and saying that we aren't going to live by those rules anymore. And we come up a new person, but that new person has to learn. That new person, just like a baby, has has to learn things all over again according to what the Father teaches us. Matthew chapter five verse six reads, "Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied." Another aspect of uh, of being born again is hungering for righteousness, or hungering for what we learn through God's word. We know that a baby, one of the the only communications that a baby usually gives is one of discomfort, and more often than not, it's being hungry. And we know when that baby's hungry because that baby will let us know uh, through its crying. And um, and and we have to have that same ache in our hearts to to know uh, to want to know what God's word is teaching us. The First Peter chapter two verse two, which was read to us earlier, reads like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. And so, uh, just like a, a baby hungers for food, we hunger for knowledge. We hunger for direction through God's word, so that we can grow. First Peter, chapter 1, verse 3 and 4 read, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. So just like that baby when it's crying and, and, and it's hungry, wants something or is expecting something and uh, requires that the parent come to them to give them what they need, we too should have an expectation to obtain that inheritance that is promised to us. Jesus himself said that the kingdom belongs to those who are like children. Matthew chapter 19 verses 13 through 15 read this way. Then some children were brought to him so that he might lay his hands on them and pray and the disciples rebuked them but Jesus said let the children alone and do not hinder them from coming to me for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these after laying his hands on them he departed from there i believe that he meant those who like children surrender themselves and decide to learn how to live all over again through jesus christ belong to the kingdom and the kingdom belongs to them i think that That's the first step in coming to God is to surrender ourselves, to be like babies and to look to him to give us what we need. And to to look also forward to the salvation and the promise and inheritance that we will get through Jesus Christ. That's the first stage. The second stage is defiance. That's when we come to the point where I'm grown now. I know that for me, uh, that defiance uh, manifested itself in um, talking back. Uh, when I was growing up, I, mean, I was pretty respectful to my parents, uh, but it got to a stage where um, I started to learn things. And you know, most of us, when we um, you know get to be about in our teens, maybe leaving a little earlier, we start to know some things. And, and you know, that curiosity that we had when we were younger, when we we're we're asking, you know, well, what's this, what's that. Um, we start to accumulate that information, and sometimes it affects us in a way that we start to believe in ourselves a little too much. And uh, for me, you know, I, I started talking back to my parents, and you know, uh, when I was talking back to my mother, uh, and you know, often my dad would be off at work, and so I found the the courage really to talk back to my mother. But it got to a point where I started talking back to my father too, and I was even a little surprised about that myself. Uh, I was spanked when, uh, growing up, I was disciplined, um, uh, using, using belts and, and other things. Uh, and I've spanked my children. My, my children up to a certain point were spanked. Now I believed in spanking with the hand because, uh, for me that, that sort of regulated, uh, how hard I would discipline them. I would feel it. And so it would, it would keep me maybe from going a little too far and, uh, I can think of a couple of times where it literally did keep me from going too far. Um, uh, once I was spanking one of my children and I, I spanked them once. And I don't know if I hit a bone or if they had put a book in there or something, but it hurt. And I pulled back after that one and pretty much had to say, let that be a lesson to you. And I went to the back room and I looked at my finger and it was bruised. And so, you know, for me, I thought that was an effective way to spank my children because, because it kept me from going too far. Now, um, my children all got to a certain age where uh, spanking was no longer effective. To me, when they're young and they can't understand certain concepts, I can't really talk to them. The spanking was designed to get them to stop doing what they were doing. And they understood that. <laughs> they understood the, the, the hand of the behind. Uh, and that was a, a great way to teach them when they were younger. When they got older, uh, they grew out of that. And I was able to talk to them. One of my children, I remember in particular, I was spanking. And this was their last time being spanked because I spanked and spanked and spanked, looked at them. They weren't crying, spank, spank, spank some more, looked at them, they still weren't crying, spank, spank. Then I realized that they weren't gonna cry. And then it was like, okay, well, let's sit down and talk. It, the spanking was no longer useful. It was no longer helpful. They didn't feel the pain. Now for me, uh, using the belts, uh, that, that went on a little longer. As a matter of fact, with my mom, uh, the belt wasn't working with my brother, and, and, and I up to a certain point, we started to, uh, to not cry so much with the belt. So my mom switched tactics, and she got this uh, piece of wood. It was like a frame from a window or something, and uh, that was effective. <laughs> and I, I think if I got spanked with that even today, I would be crying. But that, that, that was a, a way that my mom was able to continue the discipline a little bit longer, and I think my brother and I needed that. At any rate, uh, at a certain point, you, you outgrow that. And, um, uh, but at the time, it was effective. And the Bible does talk about using the rod uh, when we were younger and, and uh, how effective it could be. Uh, Proverbs 29, verse 15 reads, The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child who gets in his own way brings shame to his mother. A child, but a child who gets his own way brings shame to his mother. I think we can be spoiled if we don't have something to deter us from certain paths. And it uh, it says the rod and reproof or correction give wisdom. And so um, I I certainly believe that I learned some things from, from being spanked growing up. Proverbs 13, verse 24 reads, He who withholds his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him diligently. I always tell my children, you know, I don't discipline you in order to hurt you. I don't enjoy uh, the discipline, but I do it because I love you. And I want to teach you self-discipline. And so if I discipline you, l- the hope is that later on in life that you will discipline yourself and you'll stop yourself from doing some things that, that would be hurtful to you. We need to be directed as youth. We need uh, the direction of, of our parents and our elders to, uh, to teach us how to live in the right way. But unfortunately, when we're young, and we're, we're coming into our own sense of wisdom and, and knowledge and, and direction in the world. Uh, we have a tendency to reject uh, the wisdom of our elders. There's a good example of this in 1 Kings. And uh, please turn with me there to 1 Kings chapter 12. We we'll read verses uh, 1 through 19. <clears> 1 <throat> Kings chapter 12 verses 1 through 19. The Bible reads, "Then Rehoboam went to Shechem." For all Israel had come to Shechem to make him king. Now, when Jeroboam the son of Nebat heard of it, he was living in Egypt, for he was yet in Egypt, where he had fled from the presence of King Solomon. Then they sent and called him, and Jeroboam and all the assembly of Israel came and spoke to Rehoboam, saying, Your father made our yoke hard. Now, therefore, lighten the hard service of your father and his heavy yoke, which he put on us, and we will serve you. Then he said to them, Depart for three days. Then return to me. So the people departed. King Rehoboam consulted with the elders, who had served his father Solomon while he was still alive, saying, How do you counsel me to answer this people? Then they spoke to him, saying, If you will be a servant to this people today, and will serve them and grant them their petition, and speak good words to them, then they will be your servants forever. But he forsook the counsel of the elders which they had given him and consulted with the young men who grew up with him, and served him. So he said to them, What counsel do you give me, that we may answer this people who have spoken to me, saying, Lighten the yoke which your father has put on us. The young men who grew up with him spoke to him, saying, Thus you shall say to this people who spoke to you, saying, Your father made our yoke heavy, now you make it lighter for us. But you shall speak to them, My little finger is thicker than my father's loins. Whereas my father loaded you with a heavy yoke, I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with scorpions. Then Jeroboam and all the people came to Rehoboam on the third day as the king had directed, saying, Return to me on the third day. The king answered the people harshly, for he forsook the advice of the elders which they had given him. And he spoke to them according to the advice of the young men, saying, My father made your yoke heavy, but I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with scorpions. So the king did not listen to the people, for it was a turn of events from the Lord, that he might establish his word, which the Lord spoke through Ahijah, the Shalonite, to Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. And all Israel saw that the king did not listen to them. The people answered the king, saying, What portion do we have in David? We have no inheritance in the son of Jesse. To your tents, O Israel. Now look after your own house, David. So Israel departed to their tents. But as for the sons of Israel who lived in the cities of Judah, Rehoboam reigned over them. Then King Rehoboam sent Adoram, who was over the forced labor, and all Israel stoned him to death. And King Rehoboam made haste to mount his chariot to flee to Jerusalem. So Israel has been in rebellion against the house of David to this day. Rehoboam wanted to be cruel to his friends rather than listen to the elders, and it did not go so well for him. But isn't that how we are in our youth? You know, young adulthood could bring all kinds of problems our way because we are too old to be kids and yet too young and inexperienced to truly be adults. You know, we have that uh, that relationship with our friends and we spend most of our time with our friends and we listen to what they have to say. You know, Rehoboam listened to the young people and because he and he wanted to impress them and he thought that they had wisdom that was greater than the elders. But he found out through practice that uh, that, that wasn't true. Um, So how should we behave in our youth? How should we behave as babes in Christ? Romans 12, verse 16 reads, Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. So as we uh, live as Christians, you know, we we need to work together. We need to all be of the same mind. And uh, a danger is to think that in our youth we have a a different way, a, a better way. You know, um sometimes we can study and we can think that we learn things in a different way, or we have different practices you know there's all kinds of different practices out there uh, among churches of Christ where uh, their ideas did not come from the Bible, but they came from people who sat down and did this so called deep study that led them into some kind of a deeper understanding that they can 't even explain, but it causes them to do things outside of the Bible. it causes them to reject um the, uh, the counsel of older Christians who try to direct them toward the Bible. It, it, it gets them to, to, um, to fall away from the traditions that were handed down from the apostles, the things that we read and are guided by as we read the Bible. The world has a foolishness that can draw us in, and if we aren't careful, we can become victims of it, even, even as Christians, um, especially early in the faith or as we grow in the faith. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 19 reads, For the wisdom of this world is foolishness before God, for it is written, He is the one who catches the wise in their craftiness. Even as we study God's word, we have to guard against becoming conceited, against believing that we are more important than we are, and in that state of mind, allowing ourselves to twist God's word into something that it isn't in order to feed our ego or fulfill our own desires. Titus chapter 1, verses 9 through 11 read, Holding fast the faithful word, which is in accordance with the teaching, so that he will be able to both exhort in sound doctrine and to refute those who contradict. For there are many rebellious men, empty talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision, who must be silenced because they are upsetting whole families, teaching things they should not teach for the sake of sordid gain. Remember the Jewish Christians who in the New Testament days refused to let go elements of the old law. They tried to impose those things on the Gentiles. I believe that was in order for them to maintain a sense of control and superiority over the Gentiles, but it was not according to God's will. And as we grow in the Lord, we have to guard against having a rebellious spirit, which can lead us astray and cause us to fall away from the Lord altogether. There are, are ideas that man comes up with. These are not ideas of God, but ideas of man. And uh, unfortunately, there are um, even those who have been baptized into Christ who will use those things in order to control people. They won't admit that, but, uh, but it's what happens. And they lead people astray. And, and I've, seen, I've seen families being led astray and, and led uh, into to false practices. And it's, it's dangerous. And we have to guard against that. We always have to come to, to God's word with humility, especially as, as we're babes in Christ and we're growing. We have to make sure to, to be humble and, to, and make sure that we stick with the word of Christ, to come to our older saints uh, and, and ask them for help, ask them for guidance. Now, I come to uh, the, the last stage, the third stage, and that's compliance. That's when you say, "When you say now, I understand." That's when we've gone through a lot of things. That the discipline that God will bring upon us in life, just of living life, uh, some of the trials that we go through, that we learn in James chapter one, that that we'll find joy in because we understand that we grow spiritually through those trials. But we come to a stage in life, um, you know, whether we're we're in the world or uh, or in Christ, where uh, certain things happen, certain experiences uh, that we go through will generally help us to mature. And in that maturity, we uh, we begin to learn things that uh, we would never expect that we would learn. Um, and there's there are some things even that that you can't really uh, you can't really tell other people about or or have them understand until they too go through it. Um, but there are things that you learn through experience and and, and things coupled with God's word and instruction that, that you get through God's word that you see clearly um, as an older person that it's just hard for you to, to see and understand uh, when you're younger. In this stage, um, we appreciate the wisdom of age and appreciate the correction that we received when we were growing up. Proverbs 12, verse 1 reads, Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. He who hates reproof is stupid. I don't mind being called stupid when I was younger because I was. Uh, I'm thankful for the discipline that I received growing up. and I told my parents that. Um, and I'm thankful for the the discipline that God has given me through life. Um, I believe that it has shaped me in certain ways uh, that has helped me to grow. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 11 reads, "All discipline, For the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it afterward, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. I hated being disciplined uh, when when I was younger, you know. And I especially remember the feeling that I had, um, you know, when when I was uh, really young, when I had uh, outgrown the spankings, and uh, you know, I was going through the things where I, you know, I was I was sent to my room, and I you know I couldn't go out and hang with my friends or. You know, different things were taken from me. I really hated that discipline at that time. And I remember really being mad with, with my mom and dad. Um, but later on in life, when I, when I knew why they were keeping me from doing certain things, when I knew why they were punishing me for, for trying to do certain things or not doing things that I should do, um, I appreciated that. And I was thankful that I was led that direction and I grew up in that way. True discipline is done out of love, and uh, and you begin to understand that. I, I'm thankful for my kids because you know I was uh, when well, I was. I think I was I was past 27 when I finally went to my mom and dad and, and thanked them for the discipline. But I just heard from from uh, the youngest of my children the other day that he was thankful for the discipline because he understands why we do it, and it is out of love. Hebrews 12, verses 6 and 7. <clears throat> for those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, and he scourges every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? Discipline is, is hard work. You know, speaking from a parent's perspective, um, just letting our kids do whatever they want to and not discipline them, that's easy. You know, you don't have to worry about them. You know, whatever they get into is what they get into. And, um, you know, they have to answer for it. You know, that, that's an easy way to, to parent. It's a way uh, to parent that, that doesn't express love, though. You might say that you're loving because, okay, well, I'm letting my, my kids have their freedom and, and letting them make their own choices. But it's not love. Love is hard work. Love is, is being the bad guy you know, in order to, to save our, our kids. And uh, sometimes we get mad at God because of our circumstances. We don't like what's happening to us. And so we get mad at God. But I guarantee you, whatever you're going through later in life, you'll look back on it. And, and if you accept it and you allow yourself to grow, you'll understand what God is doing in your life. And you'll appreciate what he has done. 1 Corinthians chapter three, verse 18 reads, let no man deceive himself. If any man among you thinks that he is wise in this age, he must become foolish so that he may become wise. Become is a key word here because what we need to be takes time. It takes time to grow into what we should be. And we won't understand it. You know, in, in, our, in our youth, we won't understand the thing that we will become one day. We won't understand the things that we go through in life that shape us into what we will become one day. I don't think the word foolish here is what it might seem to be. There is a way that a Christian lives that seems foolish to the world because they don't understand spiritual things. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27 reads, But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. Now step back just a few verses to verse 21. It reads this way. For since in the wisdom of God the world through its wisdom did not come to know God, God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who if the If the message of Jesus Christ is considered foolishness by the world, then consider me a fool because I believe it with all of my heart. As we grow older and learn more about what God wants us to know through his word, it is easier for us to release the things of this world because we understand that in the end, none of it will matter. The things that we do now that the world considers foolish will one day be seen as wise by all men because everyone living will face God. And in that time, they will understand that what we have done, those of us who have decided to live according to what God has designed for us, they'll understand that what we did was wise, and they will wish that they had taken the same course. As mature Christians, we reach a stage in life that is similar to what we go through in a worldly way. We start to realize and appreciate things that we could just not see when we were younger. Let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 2 together. I think this addresses spiritual maturity perfectly. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We're going to read the whole chapter. The Bible reads, And when I came to you, brethren, I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God. For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men but on the power of God yet we do not yet but yet we do speak wisdom among those who are mature a wisdom however not of this age nor of the rulers of this age who are passing away but we speak God's wisdom in a mystery the hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages to our glory the wisdom which none of the rulers of this age has understood for if they had understood it they would not have crucified the lord of glory but just as it is written things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard, and which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. For to us God revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, But the Spirit, who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God, which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them, because they are spiritually appraised. But he who is spiritual appraises all things. Yet he himself is appraised by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord, that he will instruct him? We have the mind of Christ. Once we are mature in Christ, we can look at life in a new way. We can appreciate the steps of growth that it has taken for us to get there. But we never stop growing, and we never stop striving to grow, because we will never be as perfect as Jesus, and he is our ultimate role model. As we live a, an earthly life, we understand those three stages that I said that we go through, and our goal is to reach a stage of maturity. You know, no matter uh, whether you are spiritual or not, um, you know most men will live by that way. They'll they'll have a goal when they're younger, and they'll they'll um, take steps to reach that goal. And what they hope is to ultimately be successful, where they can look back in their life and say. You know, I took the things that I learned and I applied them and I came to a point of maturity where now I'm successful I where I want to be. And those steps are no different than we take when we are in Christ. When we give our lives over to Jesus, we, we have to turn away from the world and we have to become babes. We have to realize that we have much to learn and we have to open our hearts to that. And we have to know that a lot of the values that we had before, we're going to need to leave behind and open our minds to God's word and the instruction of our elders. As we go forward, we have to be careful not to become too wise in what we read and what we study, and especially the things that we hear from people outside of the Bible. We have to understand that the Bible is the one true word that we really need to direct us in life. And all other things, all other wisdom, whether it's from a, a, a beloved brother or, or someone who you know we're watching on TV, we have to understand that those things must complement the word of God for us to take it in and apply it to our lives. But if they do um, align with what God's words teach, then then uh, take it in and use it and um, and look to our fellow Christians, especially those who are older, who have uh, experienced certain things. Um, You know, look for uh, our fellow saints who have gone through the same hard experiences that we go through and learn from them. Hear, Hear words of wisdom from them that can encourage us and strengthen us and help us to to grow from those uh, difficulties, from those trials that we're going through. But then as we get mature, to remember to impart that wisdom to those who are younger, to, to take some time to you know not only look for those who are, are looking for the Lord and, and want, to, be, uh, want to, um, to study the Word and be baptized into Christ, um, but to look to those saints who are struggling, who are, who are trying to find their way and as they walk through uh, this world and and, uh, try to overcome the temptations of this world, uh, let's spend some time encouraging them and instructing them and helping them to to grow into what they should be and appreciate where we are, appreciate the discipline that God gives us and know that it's done in love Um, and, uh, and look forward to what we have said before us. Are you fully grown? Are there steps that you need to still take In order to grow. Are you even in Christ yet? Have you taken that first step. To be born again. We would like to help you. uh, In any state that you're in. Any stage that you're in. We would like to help. And so uh, please feel free to reach out to us. Uh, You can reach out to us. Through truthseekers.org. And we have a way for you to contact us. At the top of the page. Or if you know us. uh, Let us know. know. Give us a call. Write us an email. Let us know that you want, uh, you want help. You want, uh, to, to either be guided so that you could turn your life over to, to Jesus or to be strengthened. You know, if you're feeling weak and, and, uh, need some help on growing stronger, let us know that too. We'd like to help you in any way. Uh, also, uh, we do have a chat open. And so if you would like to write a note there, uh, you want to make a prayer request, uh, please do so. We'll have a song of invitation now.